When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is The Point After, presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks. By Brian Patton and Associates, it's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop, get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. <laughs> Our final show of the year, guys. This is it. We're hoping for a couple more points after. We're hoping they would go for two at least, right? <laughs> go for oh, two. yeah. Hey, at least. Two games under our belt. <laughs> at least. Come on, man. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, Bills defeat the Steelers by the score of 31-17. to 17. This look-back segment is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. Um, guys, I will tell you what I thought had to happen in this game or would be the most likely path to success. Um, so I'll lead off here, and then I'll, I'd you know, like you guys to think and just give me an overview of the game. I thought you needed to come out in this game, start fast, mm-hmm. win the turnover battle, and prevent the big plays. Those are like kind of my three keys. Um, well, you didn't start fast. You didn't win the turnover battle, and they had more big plays than you did. Still, the Steelers still had a chance. I mean, they they clawed to within seven in the second half, but you know, it just felt like uh, the entire game instead of being ahead, like Green Bay did. You know, Green Bay was against the Cowboys and turned that into a blowout. I I, I thought all the things that I wanted to see happen in this game to get the Steelers on good footing, Wolf. Didn't happen. Exactly so. And I agree with you on two of the three. The third one, instead of the big plays, I would put time of possession. Just because I felt like, you know, if you can keep Josh Allen off the field, and this guy is just a monster. He really is, if you ask me. Um, If you're able to curtail his ability to do damage and inflict punishment upon you, you're one leg up in, in a big way in Buffalo. And unfortunately... They weren't able to. You think about it, a guy that accounted for almost 90% of all Buffalonian touchdowns, you know, 29 TD passes, 15 Russian touchdowns. Ridiculous amounts, and I'm using this up because I'm using all Matt Samuel, who he gave to me via his great stats. But he's got so much more in reserve. <laughs> oh, he does. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. I'm off the hook now. Yeah. I don't do yeah. him anymore. Actually, actually <laughs> we bring out our pea shooters, and Matt's got like a, exactly. he's got an ammo chest behind him, as, a dragon behind him. As the late great Howard Cosell once said, it's mere spitballs at a battleship. Yeah. That's, that is, so, uh, can, is that it? Are you finished? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, and I, and I, I agree with that. I'll, I'll even I'll piggyback. We're not even let Matt talk yet. <laughs> We know, we know how much stuff he's got. I agree. I, you know, I was talking to people before the game, and I thought, you know, I don't know if you win the toss or an elect a receiver. I, I thought I'd love to see the Steelers get the ball first. I, I really would. Um, and and you start to think about, you know, get the ball, drive down the field, maybe get a quick three and out, then get the ball and drive down the field again. And now, you know, you're looking, and there's 10:41 left in the second quarter, and Josh Allen's like. I've had one possession. It's freezing out here. I, we've got nothing going. So that time of possession, I totally agree that that was a, a, a definite path to victory the Steelers could have trod in this game. And I, I and now, again, if you get the lead, Matt, you know, and, and you're playing with the lead, and they've got to catch up, 
that's when maybe you win the turnover battle. I mean, yeah, they yeah. all they're all they all are intertwined, obviously. Hundred percent. And I think we all agree the Steelers did a lot of good stuff in this game. This wasn't a blowout. This wasn't garbage time yardage. Any of that type of thing. I thought they did a lot of good stuff, but just not early. Yeah. Right. I mean, really, that was the key to me. Was it took them too long to get into their rhythm and start to play clean football. I mean, I'm not calling anyone out because there was a handful of different things that went against them. But example, Pickens fumbles. The next play is a Kincaid touchdown. Right. I, I mean, instead of a first down, you just gave up seven points. Handful of instances like that that were just really tough to overcome. But that's a good team on the road. Mm-hmm. Really difficult circumstances. I wasn't there, but it had to be a really difficult place to play. I mean, in terms of extremely loud. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's say everyone's just talking about the wind and the snow, but Bill's Mafia's. Yeah. <laughs> it showed up, yeah. There's something about watching guys jump off buses on the tables. <laughs> Just saying, okay? Yeah. yeah. Being from there, right. sharing that that's the same blood that I came from, makes me go, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you might not want to land head first on that uh, table if you I saw know that this. video. I don't want my kids to see that. It's <laughs> <laughs> not where we come from, kids. <laughs> Yeah, um, what what was the weather like? Uh, the conditions didn't seem to affect things much all better that than much. what I anticipated. I had a mm-hmm. buddy of mine who, his uh, as I, I talked about before, and I've talked all week along. He's a, he drives for the county of Erie, you know, in snowplow, one of those massive, huge snowplow trucks, Arctic conditions, and he'd kept posting pictures and everything, you know, mile strip road, can't see but ten feet in front of you, you know, that sort of thing, and it, and. It, the day before we got there, he he had gotten stuck in thigh-high deep snow. They had to come pull him out in his truck, which is called Lady Lake Effect. <laughs> 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 and and it's just letting us know that, yeah, it's going to be, you know, wild. And it was, but it was not by the time game time came. It was great job by the snowplow crews up there and everybody else. Yeah. Because the field was clear. How the fans – I got to sit down. Three quarters of the stadium was still of the seats were yeah. still under snow, and I'm like, "What were they going to do?" You know? <laughs> right. Well, the Bills fans did it. <laughs> they, they got it. You know, it's funny. Um, growing up in Central New York City, and like, there's a if you're leaving New York City, uh, there's a big sign with an arrow that just says upstate like it's all one thing yeah like the adirondacks buffalo westchester county it's all one thing if you're leaving once you're out of new york it's upstate i grew up in center state new york in cooperstown and one thing that that upstate new york and western new york is really really good at is snow removal they're really good like you know you get some snow they'll get the you know you get like 12 14 inches of snow and Guess what? School bus is there in the morning. I remember taking my when we first moved to Pittsburgh, taking my daughter to uh, dropping her off at kindergarten. I'm like, they got like two or three inches. I'm like, where is it? What the? Where is everybody? What's going on? Oh, school was can't what two or three inches? But I mean, up there, man, my kids didn't go today. It's like, no, I mean, there. So if you're having trouble, right, you know, there's a lot of snow because they're really, really good at snow removal. (laughs) Exactly. I'll just relay this one one short thing. When I was growing up. You know, in the 70s down, and you know, I remember one time we were in, snowed in for a week, a complete week. If you don't want to, if you want to see people go nuts, it's like living like hamsters in a small house with brothers and sisters going completely bat crap crazy, right? Okay. So my dad. How about being the mom and trying to feed the wolf? I said, the wolf, oh, yeah. get low on food. I'm sitting here thinking. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you, you, thought, you thought the Gronkowski's had some damage done? So, so after a week. Finally, the snowplow comes through. My dad tunneled. I say tunneled from the house 
to the road to walk behind the snowplow to the corner store to get bread and like milk. There was snow over his head. Like he yeah, went under. He, yeah, tunneled, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he tunneled in, for a period of, of you know, feet in towards the road. Yeah, I haven't seen there. a lot of them, but I, you know, some forty-inch snowfalls. I mean, you know, the, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, there's a uh, nuts. Yeah, no. great. But anyway, lake effect. They removed ridiculous. the snow. They played the game. It didn't look like the conditions were as nearly as troublesome as we thought. I mean, obviously, Not they near. moved the game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I wonder if they could have even. It, it just sounded like they couldn't have even played it on Sunday if they wanted. Our buddy to. Dale Lawley was up there actually because he was like half hour. He drove there. He's like a half hour away before they switched it. So he's like, I might as well go to the hotel. He, he told me, he's like, there's no chance you could play a football game in this. I wow. mean, the winds were just that extreme, and there was so much snow. Like you said, it was like up to your waist. You Absolutely. I mean, like you, you, just, you really couldn't have. It was crazy. Unfunctional. Yeah. And right. Dale, uh, Dale knows. He was, he was like locked in his hotel room without food. For a while. <laughs> That would have that would have made me go nuts right there. Yeah, uh, you know, and there's a lot of topics to get to, mm-hmm. but one, and I think Wolf, you mentioned this. I mean, Josh Allen, just a quarterback of that level, just makes a massive difference in a game. He made a massive difference in that game. He didn't turn the ball over again. The Steelers never stressed him to get him into a turnover situation, but the 52 yard run. And I listened to Matt's podcast, and I talked to you this morning with. With Max, and get, both you guys were disturbed by the fact that he was able to not only get the first down, um, and again, uh, man coverage downfield, right? The, the pass rush comes in. You know, they I don't know whether guys are supposed to stay in their lanes when you got man behind you, but they didn't. They rushed past Allen. He steps up easily, gets the first down. You're like, okay, well, geez, now they got to got to see if they can hold him to a field goal here, and he just kept on going, 52 mm-hmm. yards. They stayed in their lanes. By, by and large, but it was due to the fact they basically put their heads down in the chest and were bull rushing, and they didn't see Josh, I don't think, when they came by. They might have caught him late, but they they definitely um, allowed him to escape the the, uh, the the you know the pocket, and it was just it was tough. I mean, this is a guy that's so capable of getting down the field and being able to run. We saw that fifty two yard run. I didn't think he you know I th- certainly thought Demonte Casey take him off his feet. And Damani probably with a little bit of a layoff that's, you know, a little bit, you know, he, he didn't do it. And, you know, uh, there was other guys that had a shot at him, and mm-hmm. they just did not bring him down. Yeah, that, that play was alarming, to be honest with you. And uh, we talked about stats. I really only have one, and it's about Allen. Is since 2020, they're 17-0 and 0 if he doesn't turn the ball over. Right. The running backs may fumble 10 times. The guys may muff kicks. But if that guy doesn't turn the ball over, they win. And I thought he paid, played a very professional game. Like, I would have bet everything I had that he would throw at least one to the Steelers in this game. But they did get the lead. He, he almost still made, did, though. He, he almost did. He almost Eric did. Rowe yeah. got that right. hand up there and just couldn't pull it down. Yeah. But if he plays like that within himself mixed with the big yeah. plays, they could win the whole thing. I, and yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, going into the playoffs, I thought, um, you know, the team that I probably least wanted to play mm-hmm. was Buffalo, yeah, even less than the Ravens, you know, because you're familiar with the Ravens and, you know, there's a lot of history there. You, you know how to defend them. You've done a good job defending them. You beat them earlier this year. Buffalo was just on an absolute roll. And uh, they, they were a team that, you know, I again, I was really rooting for Miami uh, to win that game down there. And, and you know, that long punt return turned it. But um, Allen is a terrific player, but again, I go back to the fact that that's a team that you you know when you allow him to play with a lead, yeah, right. Uh, he doesn't you you don't put him in a situation where he becomes impatient or feels like he needs to play or is forcing something. The Steelers never really got him to that point. 
No, they didn't. I mean, because of the early troubles, honestly. And yes, he certainly can press and he can put the Superman cape on and all those things. But I give him credit for never even really trying to go down that road. And you're right. The Steelers didn't stress him to the point where he was ever tense or probably felt out of control of the game. And they, they're a good football team. I mean, I give them a lot of credit. They did some things that, you know, they played a very high percentage of six offensive linemen on the field because they wanted to keep the Steelers heavy guys out there, keep those linebackers and attack them. They, they did some things that they don't usually do. They're usually a super too high safety team. Well, they were in single high the whole time, just begging the Steelers not to run. I mean, they feared and respected the Steelers run game and, and that worked out. You know, I mean, the Bills came to play and were a good football team. Part of the problem, too, is that you, I think they game plan that being the Steelers with heavy personnel, too. Mm-hmm. They ran 12, 13 personnel. And I think, um, you know, the problem is maybe you need, need to go as heavy a personnel based on the fact that the conditions were better than what you thought. Yeah. And yeah. certainly, I think that's one of the reasons why, like, uh, Pat Fryermuth took front and center with more targets and stuff like that. And even more, I think he could add more there. But the fact is, you know, it is what it is. The running game didn't materialize the way we'd hoped. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see it. Um, I don't. Ed Oliver was the guy. That was one of your dudes. Free, yeah, free, he's free, really yeah. good, man. Yeah, really good. And really good. There, I was talking to Max this morning. One of the things that just honks you off is when you do a great job of stuffing a pass rusher on on the line of scrimmage, and he doesn't get off the line of scrimmage because you wired him in. You're like, yeah. And then he jumps up and knocks the ball down. You're like, God. There's a couple of those <laughs> yeah. that hurt the Steelers. A couple of yes. batted passes. I mean, little things like that were problematic. But I did think that the, the Bills, to your point, Matt, they made a great adjustment. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, a cover two team that plays nickel, right? Oh, Who's yeah. leading tacklers? Bernard, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Poyer, one hundred and ninety. Uh, the corner um, Johnson, yeah, right Jaron at one hundred and ninety yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah. Right? They can not only can they run the ball against lighter personnel, but they could wear them down. There was one run, a, a one uh, touchdown drive, I think it was the one at the end of the first half, in which the Bills were getting up slowly and looked like maybe, maybe it was the first drive oh. of the second half where they were starting to – it felt like the Steelers were starting to get things going. But I thought a great adjustment by by the Bills uh, to come out and change their defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, they're one of, if not the highest cover two – yeah, team in the NFL, one of the highest. Too high, and you know, and they changed they're up. both the top of the league. They changed what they did. I will say, though, to your point, as the game went on and their linebacker injuries started to settle in, too, I kind of felt like the Bills' defense was holding on for dear life a little mm-hmm. bit, too. I mean, the Steelers were figuring them out. Rudolph was playing pretty well. It wasn't a traditional Steelers, Najee for six, Najee for seven, Najee for eight, but they were moving the ball pretty consistently in the middle of the field was a problem for the for the Bills. Yeah, more to get to in this game. Uh, that is the Look Back segment brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. Steelers' season concludes with a 31-17 playoff loss to Buffalo. We still continue, though, with a point after on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino is today your lucky day. Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits and by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Uh, in in order to prepare properly for the segment, we're all discussing the interception <laughs> thrown in the in the end zone. Look, um, whether you felt like Deontay Johnson could have made a harder break on it, which is what I initially thought. I I. I thought upon the replay that uh, that Mason needed to throw that ball wider. 
Um, maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe it's just a throw. Maybe it's the, the break on the ball. I don't know what it is, but that was that was a huge, huge moment in the football game, obviously. Well, there's no question about it, especially with all the, the angst we spent over Matt's stats <laughs> of, uh, you know, the, the Bills being 16-0 and when Allen doesn't throw an interception or put the ball on the ground or anything like that. And, you know, and, and then the fact that over the last three weeks prior to the game, he had thrown four interceptions. I mean, you're, you're thinking, okay, we got something here, and Mason hadn't thrown any, and he gets his first. But, you know, again, a four-week sampling of, of Mason Rudolph, you got five TDs and you got yourself one INT. That's pretty good. You can extrapolate that in a manner that I can't because my math fails me. No, the, the numbers were good for sure for Mason Rudolph overall. Um, but I, I just think, Matt, you know, and, and obviously the pick and fumble, you mentioned it was immediately followed up by a touchdown. You can't go on the road and be the underdog and turn the ball over two times no. in the first half and, and expect to win the game. No, and the Bills are a 10-point favor for a reason. I mean, they're probably the better football team. They could play that game in a dome or, you know, Kansas or whatever. The Bills probably win more than they lose. So you probably have a, you know, you have a smaller room for error for such things. And we've seen that with the Steelers all year long, that when they can play their style and, like you said, get up early, run the football, you know, win the turnover battle, win on special teams, things like that, they're hard to play against. But they're not exactly built to come from behind either. And that interception wasn't perfect. It was also a good play by the the, the corner. Yeah, Elam. And, yep. yeah he, yep. he made a nice play. Um, there you have it. I mean, you, you can't have that many game-swinging plays go against you. And, and they kind of were lucky that Friar Moose wasn't called. Oh, I totally yeah, I, agree. I'm not sure I how mean, that went their way. You know, I was on X or Twitter, whatever the heck it's called now, and people complaining about some of the calls and the Pickens call at the end of the game that certainly did look like it mm-hmm. could have been called pass interference. And I thought, well – Let's not forget that fire move fumble that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that See, I, I thought, thought it hit his face mask. It was, so hard to te- it was so hard to if tell. If you watch on TV, it's really hard to tell. I, it's, it's that, hard I think to that's tell. what they thought, I, yeah. I, you know, I believe it was the same thing with the Igwebike yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, feet in the out of bounds, his knees are out of bounds. I'll see him tonight at the, uh, you know, we do the Giant Eagle uh, right. chalk talk tonight. Uh-huh. So I'll take him off the side and say, so tell me. <laughs> Did that hit you? I think that's what they ruled, though. But yeah. no, just watch on TV, it was not conclusive at all. No, and there right. wasn't a lot but of clarity. But they ruled on the field, I think they said, didn't they, that it, you know, he had uh, touched it out of bounds, and then they mm-hmm. needed definitive. They didn't have enough to flip it. Yeah, to yeah, flip yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah that, and, you know, the other thing, going back just to the, uh, the interception, you know, that a lot of people I think were grumbling about is why you're going empty set from inside the 10-yard. And I'm, and I'm not a big – I have to say, with this kind of a team, I'm not a big, uh, yeah. So, so just, uh, just, Over just, two. To, yeah, just, just. To, so, I, I tried to bank my coffee cup here, my styrofoam cup, uh, and, uh, and. Uh, you thought you were looking super cool while you're doing it. Too. No, I, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm looking to see if there's any high garbage that would have caused a block, but no, I just missed it. He didn't um, even call glass have, by the way, on while that I've been one. talking, these guys have been tandem drinking your coffee. I mean, yeah. So, coffee's been a big theme in this show. Um, so uh, I I like I don't know I mean if if I have a running quarterback I, I think I feel better about empty set mm-hmm. in inside you know the ten yard line than I do when you don't really have a running quarterback I mean I look uh, these guys are calling up plays to to succeed they're not calling up plays to fail but I and we saw that earlier um, when the Steelers had the ball I think in the one yard line and went shotgun instead of under center. Um, at some point during the season, I, I right, yeah, yeah, I, 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 remember I, I, I don't, that, yeah. I don't remember what what the game was, but I mean, so look, when you don't win, 
there's lots of gristle on the bone for for people, fans, media, all of us to gnaw on. Yeah. Oh, there is. And we can nitpick things to no end. Go get your rebound there. Slam it home. There you go. <laughs> That's a dunk. Take that. Um, I don't know. Those are kind of nitpicky things to me. It's kind of like the Pickens non-call at the end of the game. Yeah, it probably should have been a penalty, but it, they probably still lose. Right. You know, I mean, I, I thought the better team went won. I think the better team would have won more often than not. But I also thought the Steelers could have went in a shell at one point when they were getting beat pretty bad, and they did a lot of good things from quarter two on. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I thought they hung around pretty well. The Adams block field goal. Oh, huge. Loved it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't even wrap my brain around it at first because it ricocheted so fast, so far. I'm trying to figure out what happened. You know, I mean, we're all looking going, because, you know, you're high up in the stadium. Right, and, sure. You know, I got this little monitor TV screen about this big. You're, like, squinting at it, looking at it. You can't see exactly what's going on. But it was a great, great job to be able to get bust through. And, you know, it's very, very kind of symbolic of, think about the last time we were here. You, you know, you got, a, you got the block punt and all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. What we missed from the last time was T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt had, what, two sacks, five quarterback hits the last time that the Steelers and Bills played. Yeah. That was greatly missed, and I think that really added some – made for some problems that, you know, the Steelers couldn't overcome. He's a hard guy to sack. They got to him, what, twice, I think, right? Uh, two sacks in the game? I think so. Yeah. I will say, I mean, not that this was a difference to the game either, but they were pretty liberal about, pretty liberal about letting holding go on Highsmith. <laughs> To say the least, I mean, probably would have been the same for Watt. But Watt is a force multiplier that would have had a ripple effect throughout the whole game. He, he, and, that's exactly you what know, he is. Yeah. And, and yeah. when when you needed the huge play late in the game, if anyone was going to get it for you, it would have been 90. I thought there was one other moment that, you know, we haven't really talked about that much that I thought um, would have been really nice. Like, I, I agree with you, Matt. Second quarter, you get that score and you're starting mm-hmm. to feel like, okay, hang on a second now. Not over yet. Yeah, right, right yeah. But if you get a stop and score here, well, they got the stop and a touchdown there at that point of the game. When you got the touchdown later, the Bills, I think, kind of knew. When you you know drew within seven later, the Bills are just a couple first downs away from winning the game, mm-hmm. right? At that, at that stage of the game, that, right? Yeah, yeah, the clock's your enemy, and you have to be. You, you've lost any margin for error. Man, it would have been. I'd have loved to have seen that game at twenty-one to fourteen instead of twenty-one to ten. I just oh, think it could have made could have potentially made a huge difference. No question. Look, no one of the things, Josh, to his credit, he got rid of the ball pretty pretty good, pretty quickly. I thought Josh Allen normally would hang on a little bit longer to the ball, but he he made up his mind pretty quick and delivered the ball well. And uh, I thought he'd gamble a little bit more than what he did, you know. But the fact of the matter is, when you got somebody like Alex Highsmith, one of the beautiful things that occurs between he and T.J. Watt is Alex is one of those streaking penetrators. I mean, he's got he's got close to. But 60, 70 some pressures. You know, where, you know, it's not, you're not getting a hit on the quarterback, but you're making the quarterback step up or whatever. He's really good at that. And and that gives TJ a lot of time to be able to do his thing or vice versa because they really do well together. Um, without TJ, because TJ's such a threat, man. I mean, yeah. that guy, he, he absorbs a lot of offensive coordinator mental reps, you know, during the week and during the game. And when you take that and remove that, that threat, kind of makes things a little bit easier for an offensive coordinator to go about his business and calling plays when you don't have the threat of a guy like 90. Well, you used force multiplier, and, you know, that's a great succinct way to put it, and I'll put it less succinctly now. But, I mean, if you have a T.J. Watt 
that's going to make the guy to his right on the inside for the Steelers better because mm-hmm. now you're not going to double-team that guy. You have to double-team T.J. Watt. Well, now if you're double-teaming T.J. Watt, say it's with the running back, well, that's going to help your outside line or your your corner as well in the flat because now that running back's not going out into a pattern. Yeah. And yeah. so when you talk about a force multiplier, that's one guy who's not only capable, even with all those, um, you know, everything that an offense is trying to do to, to limit him, he's still effective even with that. But now he's making the guy next to him because he doesn't have better because he doesn't have to be doubled. Mm-hmm. The guy behind him better because a guy might not be leaking out to the flat. I mean, it's amazing what one player who I think we all think is very well deserving of a defensive player of the year, you bring him out of your lineup, it's going to hurt. Yeah, and even just breaking down this matchup specifically, the right side of the Bills O-line is, to be kind, a work in progress in protection. They're much better run blockers. They're they're not great in protection. They played a huge percentage of snaps with the sixth offensive lineman on the field. Well, that guy would have been to the right. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? I mean, if they, if they kept that approach, maybe your tight ends don't beat you up quite as much because they're chipping. James Cook's a tremendous receiver. Maybe he has to you know, chip on the That's way out. That's a great, great you know, all observation those type of of things the, right the thing there. about yeah. the tight ends. Yeah. Going to this, we knew what the tight ends were going to do. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a problem. You yeah. know, I mean, both Kincaid and Dawson. And, uh, you know, they were. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they were. Yeah. We knew they were going to be were. a problem, and they were a problem. Yep. And, they and the you know, look, you can blame the Steelers. You can you can doff your cap to the Bills on a great play call immediately following the Pickens fumble. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers are in cover two with, you know, the wide safeties in the back. And uh, they, they put that they put that safety in a bad position. They had somebody running up the right sideline. It was Miles Jack. He went yeah. to the right, and now you have Miles Jack in trail coverage. I mean, let, let's face it, Miles Jack's a great thumper, but, you know, he's not. You don't want him. to carry him. Yeah, you yeah. don't want him yeah. man-to-man on a first-round draft choice tight end. And to the Bills' credit, they exploited that. That was a huge play, obviously, for them to go immediately from turnover. Just as you're, you're, you're not, you don't even have a chance to process, I hope they can hold them to a field goal. Maybe even with the weather, maybe you might get, oh, wait a minute, hang on, touchdown. Yep. You know, it was like that quick. And just expand on that, too. I mean, six months ago, Kincaid's running a 4-4 at the Combine. Two months ago, Miles Jack's on his, his couch. Right, right. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And Allen, I mean, the, thing, the subtleties of quarterbacking froze those safeties really well. You mm-hmm. know, he used his eyes extremely well rewatching yes, the play and just created a lot of space for his talented rookie tight end. You know, yep. and that, that's, that's mismatched. He also made it, um, I mean, you know, not to not to say anything about Allen, but that that's a relatively easy read, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if the if the tight end goes to the if the safety goes to your left as a quarterback, you throw it to your right. If, you're, if the safety <laughs> well, goes to your just, right, you throw it to the left. He just moved him. And yeah, then yeah. Got, you know, right. Kincaid, Kincaid down. versus Jack. I'm going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe kind of looked him off a little when he saw that oh, matchup. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did. If you bit, watch yeah. him, you'll see it. But it's unfortunate. It's I think the best thing in there is what Matt quoted in the stats. Four four for Kincaid, and a couch for <laughs> yeah, couch for the back of the yeah, right. yeah. Um, I will say this though, and and again, uh, we're gonna we'll look forward a little to to uh, what this loss means for the Steelers as far as you know personnel and some guys that maybe played well down the stretch, some other things they might do. Um, but you know, I think look, and 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 people don't want to hear this after a loss, but I think you have to credit them for hanging in there, and you know, again, you hated to see the penalty to me after the touchdown. Um, on Dan Moore, like second guy in thing, right? You know, the, the 15-yard penalty because you're yeah, thinking, I never okay, saw that. You score, right? Now you kick off. You force him to start at your 25. Now you, now maybe these thought processes like, hey, yeah. 
If we get him at a third and eight, maybe this is where the Allen turnover. He had 17 games. He had 14 interceptions. Well, in, in, uh, interceptions in 14 of those 17 games, 18 on the season. Remember the Wizard that's where he presses. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. where he presses. Remember when the Wizard it. of Boz drilled that thing 70 yards. And yeah, they, yeah, they, ran back. they only got out to the 30 with it. Yeah, that could yeah, have did. been a disaster, and, and the Wizard of Boz really bailed out Danny Moore on that yeah, one. Yeah, that was sure. the last little sequence. So, to me, you know, you get the interception um, and the turnover in the first half. You know, you'd, you'd like to get that touchdown instead of the field goal in the in the beginning of the second half to draw close, and then that you know that last sort of sequence where okay, hey, if you can if you can get them three and out here, if you could even just not let them score, you got the ball and a chance to march down the field and score. And in the beginning of that game, if you told me, hey, uh, they're going to draw within a touchdown in the fourth quarter, I'm like, uh, where okay, do I yeah, sign? Yeah, yeah man, I mean, because no it looked like that thing could have gotten out of hand, and it didn't. No, and a couple things on top of that is, I mean, they did have the Bills go three and out three different times, I think on 10 or 11 drives. I mean, I, th- I probably would have taken that going into mm-hmm. the game. There were some long drives that paid, you know, some dividends for them in terms of eating clock. But, you know, the Steelers definitely won the special teams battle. Um, there's no question about that. You block a field goal and they missed a field goal. Uh, the, the play, even a little thing like Boz did there, but you lost turnover battle. I mean, the, right. the turnover battle kills you. Mm. Kills you. Yeah, and especially when they take those turnovers and turn them into 14 points. And no, then you no lose question. by 14, 14 points. points. Well, and, and it was 14 And here's the thing, the too. Game. Right. Yeah. Don't think that there's not a guy there that doesn't remember that 38-3 to thumping. You know what I mean? That that was there a couple of years ago, you know, in the COVID years. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the thought of how fast that game could get out of control based on the crowd. I mean, and I got to tell you, Steelers Nation showed up big. I mean, for a game there under those conditions – with a travel ban and everything else, those people are just marvelous. They are like, fabulous. Every Friarmouth catch you heard the oh, move. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, like going, what are you guys doing there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you think about how fast with that stadium. I mean, when we were pulling out of the stadium after the game's all over, it the 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 parking was just chaos. <laughs> There's, it's everywhere. You know what I mean? People are going there and there, and, you know, it's arbitrary paying attention to the rules of – Right. Just embarking, right? <laughs> right? But, I mean, that's just how fanatical their base is, that they could come out and a lot of them shoveled their own seats off. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and I'm passing like, shovels around. And, yeah, yeah it was just, like, amazing. And and to, to hear the noise volume level as it as it just the crescendos would rise and fall, it really was amazing. You, yeah. you said one thing there. Like, it could have got away from the Steelers. It could have gotten away easy. There yes. was a, I take no story, and I'm like – they're in trouble now. Yeah, because this this avalanche. Well, you could feel to, it. Yeah, is starting to roll. I'm like, this it, could be sixty to nothing. Exactly. Yeah. That Mason was able to lead them back and and get them competitive again. That was that took uh, some some serious um, steady hands to at the helm there. Mason, uh, a very interesting storyline. We'll get into some of the storylines when we continue on the point after on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Getting a little weepy. Last little segment. Weepy. This yeah. is it, our last segment. It's been enjoyable, guys. I've enjoyed it. It's all definitely been enjoyable. So we're Absolutely. looking. Absolutely. Let's get lunch. <laughs> we're. Uh, <laughs> Or, or you could well now you could eat chicken wings. You boycotted. Them. Oh yeah, I had to boycott the chicken wings. Didn't even eat them at halftime. 
That's well, wow. that's some discipline. Buddy. You know, it, yeah. you know I, I have to say, I gave a little bit of pat of a pat on the back to myself. That's impressive. I avoided them. I think some of the others in our uh, broadcast crew did not abide by the boycott. I'm not going to name names, though, Max Starks. But you know, <laughs> ha- having worked with you for how how many <laughs> how many years did we do high school football together? Like eight a or decade, ten years? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like a decade. Yeah. And just, I think the word to describe the. Uh, the, the, the food trucks and the, and all those places that we left by might be carnage. Like, yes, you know. Absolutely. You know, and, and listen, I, I'm a pretty big eater, but let's face it, I'm a cruiserweight. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you, you, know, you don't do bad pound for pound, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I got to stay away. I got to keep my hands up and stay away a little bit. I got to dance around the <laughs> ring a little bit. I mean, I can't. I'm not. But uh, You ever th- chow down with Starks? Oh, oh, I've, I've heard oh, legendary oh, stories. Oh. I've heard legendary <laughs> stories. You should have been with me in my prime, brother. Uh, Let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. You had the 78-ounce steak or whatever? Nowhere else have I ever had the privilege of having a chef come out and, and shake my hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in that time. At, at some point, you you know, you just need to move beyond ounces. And, like, this is a six-pound steak. You know what I mean? At some point, ounces is like, it's like how old is your kid? He's, well, he's 60 months. You mean five? Right. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, at some point, maybe pounds yeah. would have come in handy there for I, you. Again, <laughs> I couldn't figure out the math that quick. <laughs> okay, so um, you did your part, Wolf. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so down the stretch, some really, really – Fun things to watch, I think, for the Steelers. The offensive line, I think, would be almost the first. The offensive line in the running game, just, you know, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, um, you know, the move uh, of Jones to right tackle, Siamalu settling in. I don't know, again, whether it was just familiarity. Um, I know that offensive lines are a cohesive unit. It's good to get them all playing together for a while. They didn't. They were able to do that. They didn't have any injuries, knock on wood. Um I just thought, and again, I don't know whether they change the schemes a little bit to better fit the personnel. I mean, again, everybody wants instant success, but sometimes things take some time. And I thought, I don't know, maybe five, six games into the season, uh, when Jones got in there, that offensive line began to really find its groove. And for the most part, the running game with Harris and with Warren began at times to punish people, led by the offensive line. But those two guys will punish you too. No question about it. And this offensive line took some time getting gelled. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're working together for whatever reason, but it does take some time. And it's knowing the specifics of what the guy next to you, to your left or right, is going to do in each and every play. Which the advent of it in situations like where you have the outside zone, inside zone, the the double teams and those sort of things, it takes a little while. Like we saw Broderick give up a sack. Well, mm-hmm. he gave up a sack because he thought that, uh, you know, he's got James Daniels to his inside. He got a wall going right, and he got clubbed a little bit by Russo. But it in his mind, I, I, by the way his body reacted, I could see he was thinking, well, I'm covered to my inside. I'm okay. I set out a little bit more. But he, he wasn't. You know, he was not covered. James Daniels was working on his own guy. And so there's a problem there. And, and, and for uh, Broderick, I love that. <laughs> they call it Broderick. But Broderick <laughs> Jones, this guy, the upside is just huge. It's going to yeah, be fun. It it's going to be fun. But I'll tell you another guy that I really enjoyed watching him develop, Danny Moore. Danny Moore played hard all year long. And, I, you know, tip of the cap because there's a lot of people that wrote him off in the offseason. And the guy, again, the best of, uh, ability is availability. And he here he is. He I don't know if he's even missed a game in his years. I, I know he's missed I one or two because um, Roderick, yes, against Baltimore. Remember, I think it was, oh, yeah, yeah, and, and Jones came in for a game. Yeah. And, yeah, and Jones had left. But this guy, you know, 
kudos to him. He's gotten better and better, and uh, he's withstood a lot of it, a little bit of adversity, shall we say. Yeah, and when you look at an offense, I mean, look, I, I point this out to people all the time, you know, you always see your own warts the most, uh, yeah. right? Um, nobody's got 22 All-Pros. Yeah. Nobody. No. So, um, you know, how they can figure that offensive line, whether Jones moves from right to left and you move more to the right side, um, you know, what, what, what you do as far as adding to that, I mean, I think we know with uh, if Andy Weidel has some influence, he likes to build those offensive and defensive lines. That was his the reputation that, that, that they had in Philadelphia in that front office, and we saw it already. No, I mean, sure. like, you know, for, you go out and you get Jones, you get and, Benton, yeah, right, and, yeah. and, you, and you add guys along the offensive line. Um, it, it's intriguing to think that with a move or two, that the, the line played well, a move or two, this could be a – a pretty dominating unit with a lot of depth. That, that's my perspective on mm-hmm. it, Matt. I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way. or Yeah, um, for the most part, yes. And the one thing I wanted to expand on, because I looked at it this morning, is the Georgia teammates, Washington, the tight end, and Jones. Jones played more preseason snaps than any other Steeler by a long stretch. I mean, they knew he wasn't going to start week one, if you remember, and he was out there all the time. And where I'm going with this is those three preseason games, 17 regular season games and a playoff game between him and Washington. They both played almost like two seasons of Georgia Bulldog football, you know, against NFL players. Like they have to be like thinking, is this marathon ever going to end? You know what I mean? And now you get that under your belt. I I think the world is the oyster for Jones. I think he'll be their best lineman for a long time. Yeah, that is really nice. You were able to get him. And then, you know, you expanded out to Washington, Washington, Fryermuth. Hayward, you begin to look at that tight end situation, mm-hmm. and look, I mean, if if you if a superstar was there and you thought, oh, we got to take this guy, fine, but I don't think they really. That's a position, Wolf, that I'm not sure they're going to have to do a whole lot with again for a couple seasons while these guys remain on their rookie deals. Oh, there's no question about it. What Darnell can do as far as his pass catching to up his availability in other areas. I mean, Pat Frymuth is already an established pass catcher. In my book, I mean, a guy that you, you obviously has got very t- great talent. You go that 12 personnel, 13 personnel with the ability to all three of them, that they could be a part of an offense, you know, in, in limited structure, you know, limited specific circumstances. But to have, uh, you know, the ability to spread a Pat Fryermuth out, a Connor Hayward, you know, and to be able to use a Darnell Washington more in the past yeah. reception. I mean, come on, the guy's just so huge. You know, he eats up space just by you know, breathing, you know, and, and for him to be in some of the route patterns, which I love when you start to, again, you go back to the Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez years when they had the dueling tight mm-hmm. ends and how they're able to do a lot of things because of their size and everything else. Um, I, I look for some some stuff like that. Yeah, and you're hoping that Fryermuth will be able to beat, if you do a lot of that personnel, beat the other team's best, like, say, coverage linebacker. Right, Absolutely. you know, if you're going to be able to attach him or even have him in there, yeah. right? He he needs to be able to beat those guys. I thought he was a little underutilized. This was obviously more of a running team than a passing team, mm-hmm. and you know, there, if and you're on a high note, though, I thought he looked like the receiver you thought he definitely. was yeah. yesterday. Definitely, yeah. no question. Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, you know, there's only so many throws to go around to so many guys. You can only parse them out to so many different receivers. It was interesting the way they used that wide receiver group. I mean, Allen Robinson got a lot of snaps. He's, he's their best blocker. Um, Calvin Austin got action early and 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 pass attempts um, thrown him early when Deontay Johnson was on the shelf. When Johnson came back, that kind of dried up. Jet sweep here, there, caught a touchdown yesterday. Um, and we don't know whether there's going to be a new offensive coordinator coming in here um, to move these 
you know, these pieces around. But there's a lot in this offense, and let's take out the quarterback position for now, but there's a yeah. lot in this offense, I think, to like. Pickens with the explosive ability, Deontay Johnson with his route running. He's got yeah. one more year left on his deal. I think there's there's a lot in this offense. I 100% agree. I mean, quarterback, offense coordinator aside, we don't know how that all is going to pan out, especially from a coaching perspective. We kind of touched on it. I always look at it through kind of a GM's front office eyes. Yeah. I'm not touching running back and tight end. Like, I don't think those are needs. I mean, yeah, if in the fourth round there's a guy you have a second-round grade on, maybe, whatever. But they're not priorities for me. I would love to add, because this draft is unbelievably deep at receiver and really, really top-heavy, if you could add another. And, um, frankly, I know Allen Robinson did a lot of good stuff here, but I don't know if he'll be back, you know, I mean, considering his contract and things like that. But it's a great tackle draft. There's a lot of good centers on day two, it looks like, and it's an awesome receiver draft. If you could take advantage of two or three of those spots in the top four rounds and just expand upon this and even score more points, I mean, I'm all open to that. I like it. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like all three of those positions yeah, to, maybe, yeah. to maybe add a little bit. And, you know, you're, you're also – and the way the Steelers have always built things is as much as you can from within – yeah. Um, and then you'll obviously add to that, right? You, you know, you you bring in a Kimo von Olhoffen or a Ryan Clark, but when Joey Porter leaves, you have James Harrison there, right? Like you want to be able to replace guys internally. And I'm sure they'll be looking at, hey, Deontay Johnson's got one more year left on his deal. Sure, uh, sure. Let, let's see what that means. I don't know. Maybe they restructure. Who knows what they're going to do? But yes, that would make sense adding there. Obviously, the elf early wound receiver, early wound oh. receiver th- thrown into what they got now. It's yeah. like, wow, okay, now we were really humming. Now, who's going to get that ball to him is going to be a very, yeah, right. very interesting question, and it's going to be one that's going to be taking up uh, a lot of this offseason. Like, oh, there's you know, no question. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing sexier than, uh, except for the head coach, there's nothing sexier than the quarterback, and then probably third in that list would be the offensive coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people can't really get juiced up about – are they going to bring in an inside linebacker? You know, I mean, but if you start talking about quarterback, right, here, and you got everybody's thing. antenna. This is the example I always throw out. Years and years ago, Tunch and I do, did a show down at Fox Sports, you know, uh, on Sunday nights in the offseason, little, little, you know, half-hour show, whatever it was. And I'll never forget in April, March, April, or was it May? And it's a Sunday night, and we got a caller who said, what about who's going to be the third string quarterback this year? You're like, oh, I love this man because that's why we're on the air because we we got some real fanatics. But the fact that you're discussing a third string quarterback battle in April, you know, May, somewhere on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock at night or something <laughs> ridiculous like that, tells you everything you need to know about quarterback battles in this city. No doubt. And, you know, when, when you look at, uh, you know, defensively on this team and Look, I I want to include Spencer Anderson, who's a guy I think he dressed pretty much every game. I don't think, recall him playing. He might be the center next year. Who knows? I mean, he right. was very impressive in camp. We don't yep. know yeah. for sure what they think about him and whether he's a guy that they think, hey, listen, we don't need mm-hmm. that position. That's not a position we're going to worry about. Or whether you think, boy, would he be a wonderful sixth offensive Six lineman? And or, or let's just get him some use. Um, a little surprised they didn't use him on occasion as a as a six offensive lineman just to just to see what they and again that's but that was really, Jones and then Chew exactly right that's right, right. They they had, but yeah. not really a, I think he's I don't think they looked at him more as an, an more interior, interior guy. but he played some tackle yeah, yeah. right and he yeah, yeah. and you, you normally use a tackle as that sure, as that sure. sixth uh, offensive lineman but he's a good name to throw out there though like he's an interesting he was guy. very intriguing yeah. in camp in preseason and when I think about the defense it, it's hard for me to evaluate Wolf what they did and where they might go without looking at some intriguing 
pickups and some intriguing injuries. And I mean, just throwing them all into one bucket as far as just an overview. I mean, Trice, they really were talking about him highly, a late round cornerback, right. and he got hurt. They picked up Darius Rush. Uh, Ru- right. Rush in the middle of the season. He's a guy that I think maybe could be intriguing at the cornerback position. How do they feel about that? What is the internal evaluation of those guys? Holcomb, I thought, was really good at inside linebacker before he went down. Mm -hmm. Quan Alexander. Um, You know, there are a lot of guys, I I thought, in their absence of Landon Roberts showed that he was maybe more versatile than a lot of people thought he was going to be. Nobody thought he'd be that much on his plate. Right, exactly. So now you you start to think, well, what do they need? You know, I went from – you know, it was was funny. The narrative, uh, they should just lose the last three games, get the highest pick possible – and you're thinking, well, is that is that maybe awful thinking? And then the way they finished, I thought maybe they have fewer holes than than I thought they did three weeks ago. Well, think about Eric Rowe. I mean, Eric, that's was, the other guy. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to mention. How is this guy not yes, on you. somebody's too thank deep? You. Right. you know, I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting there going, you know, there's that planet theory. George Young, the old GM of the, you know, the New York Giants, Giants used yeah. to say, you know, there, there's only so many you know guys like that walking the planet that's capable. Well, he found one because Eric Rowe really did some nice things, and it, to me, looks like a complimentary asset in the back end of the of the defense. You know, um, Minka being Minka and Demonte Casey being you know crazy Casey the the crash test guy. You know, I mean, that, I love his style of play and what he brings. Um, but there's a lot of things that are going to be interesting. What I hope that Cole Holcomb is able to rehab, do well. Quan Alexander, another guy, because I thought they were both significant contributors. Landon Roberts, I mean, to get the pair and a spare going again, to me, is something because I thought Landon Roberts just showed great courage, great um, tenacity, great veteranship, and understanding the difference between injury and pain. You know what I mean? That was one of the things Chuck always used to talk about. Know the difference between injury and pain. And certainly that guy... He's got high pain tolerance, shall we say. And just quickly, Matt, part of a scout's job, the internal scouting, knowing your own players, making these evaluations based on injury and maybe just fleeting glimpses. I mean, these are difficult decisions um, that the Steelers are facing, and it's going to help shape some of what they do in the offseason, even if it happens sort of uh, under the radar or away from the public eye. Yeah, and again, I mean, just kind of addressing offseason needs, I think it's going to be very heavily secondary based on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, like your edge guys, you're going to bring them back four that's, you know, golden's up, but you could bring them back. The defensive front, you could bring back basically anyone you want. I don't think it'd be that hard to re- recreate the three linebacker situation, assuming Holcomb's reasonably healthy. Alexander wouldn't be super expensive. You could handle a lot of those things with small moves. But if your first round pick or your biggest free agent acquisitions in the secondary, I think now you're talking because I'm really excited about Trice, Rush, Rowe. He's a lot different than those guys. But I think anything you get out of like Trice and Rush is the cherry on top. Like mm-hmm. you can't just count them and say, that seventh round pick looked good for a week <laughs> right, in camp exactly. and he's going to be our starting yeah. outside corner. You know, like uh, maybe. Right. But I, I'd rather he was the fourth corner and, you know, begging for playing time because he's playing so well, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. Um, guys, this was enjoyed fun. it. Yeah, I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. It was uh, I'm glad they threw us all together. Uh yeah. we enjoyed it. Uh hopefully you folks listening <laughs> enjoyed it too because that, that's really what's Well, if what's we get to do this work, again, you know? <laughs> let's get this sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, right? <laughs>
Hey, we want to thank our good people that did sponsor today for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels. Visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Akershire Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. Our thanks to Parks Casino, to Brian Patton and Associates, to the Steelers Pro Shop all season long. One last time for Craig Wolfley, Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks for listening all season long. And for this final show of this season on The Point After on Steelers Nation Radio on 102.5 DBE. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.